to Inside the Natural State, an Arkansas sports podcast. Zach and Steve here with you. Steve, what's going you on, still, buddy? You still breathing? I've calmed down quite a bit. You know why I'm asking? I don't know why you're asking. <laughs> Where were you following me on social media today? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I calmed down until I got on social media today. See, today, like I totally skipped social media yesterday, played, paid attention to fantasy football. Today, Saturday. Not, well, yeah. <laughs> Saturdays aren't fair because, I mean, it's just an emotional moment. So, but hey, you know what I don't do? What's that? I don't tweet at players or coaches. That's right. So, you know, I, I stay away from that, but I had my fair share of things to say. And we'll get into that later on in the show along with, we'll, we'll get with Hutch too and, and get his thoughts. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't even know where to begin with this. I, I really don't. I mean, how can you go back? I, I've never seen a team go backwards from week one to week two. I don't, okay. So I don't know that they went backwards. Um, I thought there was some, some improvement. And the number one forward we saw out of the whole thing is now Nick Starkles, the starting quarterback. Well, so, no, I think Cam Curl did a really good job on that scoop and score. Oh, no, he, he looked like he was going to die at the end of it. <laughs> he but really did. Man, I didn't think he was ever going to get there, but, but he did a good job. You know, and we were, Will and I and Katie were all at Boudreaux's watching the game, and Will and I both looked at each other and went, I'm waiting for the flag. Right, something, anything. I mean, well, that was the way the game went. It seemed like every time something big happened, we had a penalty. But, so, boy, recapping it. It was crap. Well, so let's take it. Half by half. It's a, and that's exactly what it is. is I it, think it's a tale of two halves. It was. Um, I thought that – I thought we got what we expected out of uh, – well, I think we got what we expected out of Hicks considering what he did in week one. So – Yeah, I can – I can. Com- uh, coming can into the season, you know, I wanted we, – we, we, we've debated this. I, I thought Starkle should be the guy. But totally understood the coach's decision at the time because Hicks seemed to be the more knowledgeable guy. He certainly didn't look like it on the field. No, he didn't. And so that that leads to the question of what the hell were they thinking? Because, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I have I have a present for you. You ready for this? Yeah. What the hell were you thinking? Chattanooga. I'd love – and if we were in that press conference, I, that was the first thing I would ask, is what the hell was he thinking? I mean, anybody else, don't you think they'd have pulled that, the, the starting quarterback – because you could tell, and, and, and Will made the comment while we were at Boudreaux's uh, that – I just lost my train of thought. Uh, they, they showed no confidence in Ben Hicks because who in the hell decided the wild hog? Is that yeah. all we were waiting on? So, well, and that's the thing. That's what, that's what kind of frustrated me, and I think, you know, I made my thoughts known on social media during the game. Yeah, um, you did. <laughs> but it, I mean, honestly, like – it never looked good, and the number one reason it doesn't look good, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm jumping out here, but what is Ty Clary doing? What are those knuckleball end over end? I, I heard someone today try to describe it as like pitching, like there's a fast, they're throwing a fastball and a curveball. I don't think there's ever a fastball, though. It's like a changeup and a, and a curveball. Like, I don't know. And, and the thing is, he's a, he's a decent player, but – those snaps, I, I don't I don't understand the slow because if you watch anybody else, that shotgun snap. That's why they call it a shotgun snap. Ours comes out kind of kind of you know. I watched dead. My, I watched my little brother play center for Bryant for three years, and I don't remember even when he had a broken hand. I don't remember ever seeing him snap a shotgun snap that bad in high school. Now, obviously, totally different level, totally different deal. But again, the ball was getting there and it was getting there quickly. So that is that was one of the more concerning things to me. You know, watching the game as we were there, it was, um, you know, it was exciting at times. V- 
you saw some things. Um, you saw a little bit from the team. I thought in the first half that, um, you know, we tried to – we really tried to uh, to get the running game going um, and, and failed quite a bit. But the trick plays and attempting to open up the offense was extremely strange. And, uh, you know, watching them run that wild hog, they, they didn't seem – I don't know, I guess if that's what they were practicing all offseason that we couldn't see and that was the way they were going to open the offense up, um, I think they probably could have done a little better job there. Um, that, that, was, that was fairly frustrating to watch. Yeah, Will had to, had to pull me back into my chair a couple times. I was, I was up and screaming, and yeah, it was, it was not pretty. But, I mean, what, I mean, if anything, and again, we'll talk about defense in a minute, but, but what, anything positive – on the offensive side of the ball in the first half. I know in the second half, like I said, Starkle comes out, throws 200 yards. Ben Hicks in the first half runs for his life the other direction. Well, I don't think there was anything positive out of the first half um, that I could just point to. I, like I said, I didn't feel like they gave us any opportunity to have a to, to have any consistent running game between switching from your base package to the Wild Hog, which made no sense. Um, it seemed to get them out of rhythm. Any rhythm they were even kind of starting to build, it seemed to get them out of it right right away. Um, I thought, and, and this will bleed to the defense a little thing. I thought Ole Miss, and and I mean, I think we've seen. I, I don't want to say I think we've seen Morris get out coached by lesser coaches. I've seen us get out talented by 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 other teams. I thought this was one of those times where Morris got out coached. I think the in especially in the first half, Ole Miss, well, had, Ole Miss had a brilliant game plan. And, and and one thing that I think bothered me is since last year we've talked about the tempo and we've talked about it. Right. Where's the tempo? The coaching staff wants to tell us, well, we're young. We're not going to run tempo all the time. They got to learn the offense. Blah 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 blah. Okay. Miss, then Ole don't Miss, promise it. Well, but it's not even that. Ole Miss comes out with a new offensive coordinator, a freshman quarterback, a, and a, a bunch green of freshmen. Horn. I think he's a true freshman. Isn't Matt Coral a he's true a freshman? Is a redshirt? Bun- a bunch of uh, they've got a bunch. They got a lot of youth like we do. Yeah, and they ran tempo the entire game and made it look good. Well, I don't know that they made it look good. One thing that was really sh- well, okay, so they made it look consistent. They, they, they were consistent about it. Is well, the thing. one thing that was confusing to me and a lot of what we talked back and forth about whenever I was um, that we had some old Miss fans sitting in front of us. Um, a lot of the things that we went back and forth was why was Ole Miss so set to run up the middle? Because when they went up the middle, we stuffed them. Uh, it seemed like Aguim and Soli and all those guys, their names got called non Yeah, your boy Soli finally got a start. I'm going to tell you, man, He's I, I paid a lot of attention to Soli in that game. He's starting this week, too. He is, man, he's something. He he needs some size. He's he's a little he's a little thin, um, but he'll get there, and, and he's he's solid. But I thought one – the, One of the Ole Miss game plans was, and I heard this on the radio today, that – they were going to make our quarterbacks throw the ball. They were going to shut that run game down. It's exactly what they did. Well, they did, and and Hicks couldn't throw it. H- and Hicks, Hicks couldn't sit, hit the broad side of the barn. I mean, you saw it with Whaley twice. You had potentially two touchdowns to Devil that's, Whaley. That's another subject and for later in the yeah. show. Well, two touchdown passes, or at least one for sure. The pass over the middle that he just overthrew was six. Yeah. The one that he threw to him early in the game that that um, he caught, Whaley caught it, but he had to fall. He fell down catching it. Uh, because it was overthrown. If he if he threw it in stride, if he threw it over his shoulder, yeah, that he'd have been gone. Yeah, and and see, I said this last week before. Yeah, you did. Game two, I said 
I have no problem with Hicks being the starter if he's out there making throws and the wide receivers are making bad decisions or not where they're supposed to be because we've been told that Hicks knows the offense and that he will put the receivers in the right place. But at the end of the day, you can't – I mean, you can't be out there and hold the receiver's hand to the right spot. You have to right. trust that they know what they're doing. Well, we didn't see that. Not only did we see receivers running wrong routes, not only did we see guys lining up in the wrong spot, we also saw – um, we also saw Hicks miss easy, easy, easy throws, easy, easy reads. And so that was the most concerning to me thing to me out of the first half. You think Hicks is an SEC quarterback? No, not at all. I, I didn't think Hicks was an SEC quarterback coming in. I didn't think he was this bad. I thought that – Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to – hold on a minute. On an SEC level, he's not that talented. But at SMU – he looked like an all-star. Did he, though? I mean, he did one year. The, the second year he was in this system was when he set all those records. So his first year in Morris' system, he wasn't that good, which is understandable. You're learning it. Right. His second year in the system, he was good. And then when Morris left, he regressed a lot in the new system. Again, understandable. You're learning basically three – you're learning two systems in three years. I expected a lot more – and I really wish I could find that YouTube clip of him bashing the offense when he was still at SMU, because I. What did he What did he say? Well, he was asked by one of the local folks there that was covering their spring practice about the differences between whoever I forget who their the SMU coach was, but uh, between him and and Morris's offense, and he said oh, it's night and day. And he said uh, so basically Morris is nothing more than backyard football that you just run around and. If it's backyard football, why is he struggling with it now? Well, that's that's kind of what I – you know, and so to me, when he said that, my thought process was that Morris trusted Hicks so much that he gave him full autonomy on the offense to go out and do what he needed to do in an RPO system. Right. How often did you even – I didn't see him run RPO yet, like no. a true RPO. No. I've not seen – because maybe once or twice where Hicks has been able to keep it and get outside <laughs> – um, but in general, there is no identity to this offense. And I think that's what concern that's what's concerning the fans in general is that um, that that we are, you know, we have no identity. One of the biggest arguments under Brett Bielema was there was never a, an identity to what that team was gonna be. And I feel like we're in the same boat now. Now, that being said, I thought in the second half we saw what our identity can be. I think that this team as much as Morris wants to build the passing game off the running game, I, I think, think it needs to be the passing the the the, the running game's gonna it's gonna be built off the passing. Yeah, it's gonna be that's what opposite. I was trying. Yeah. I was trying to get that out. <laughs> so, and I think that the reason they I think they have to number one, we thought we had a deep running back room. We don't. I'm just gonna say it. We don't. We have Rakeem Boyd. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't take my question because <laughs> I'm gonna ask you. Okay. And it's going to be one that I wanted to ask on our live show, but uh, somebody had already said it for me. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at Will. Is Devois Whaley a bust? I don't know that Devois. Is he really? I mean, and again, they're, they're, uh, he fumbled. Well, he's fumbled both games. He's fumbled both games. Yeah. I, I don't know that Devwall – I don't know that you could label him a bust. What, what Was he a four-star coming out or a three-star? Is he composite four? Yeah, I think he was a composite okay. four. So, I mean, I guess he's, he's, he was rated high enough, but, again, he was recruited here for a different system. So, that in, an, in and of itself could lead to the reason he's – The reason I ask is I heard, I heard that 
on the radio today that somebody had labeled him a bust. And we heard it on our show because we've taken calls now. Yep. Well, so can I, hey, can I throw that number out there? 501 888 Friday night, 7 o'clock. Yeah, don't call that number now. But you can uh, send us a text message now if you want to. Uh, no, you're not, you're not live, you goober. They're going to send us a text message. You're going to be sitting at home on like Thursday night. Be like, what the? <laughs> we could text back. I can have a conversation. Mm, that, yeah, well, then we could leave that on the podcast too. Well, Read out text. Oh, well, well you, know, you know, we've got a new award. Everybody gives out awards now. Hey, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't confirmed this award yet. So, yeah, I, but I need to, I need to go get a bowl for a trophy. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna give it away in spirit tonight. How about that? Yeah, we'll give it away in spirit, and at the end of the year, we'll present it to the one. But no, no. what? Yeah, but no, I and I agree with you. I mean, we were coming into the season. Everybody says we got we got three great running backs, got a wide receiver core, got great tight end room, and we do. We have a great tight end. When you got uh, um um. Grayson, Grayson Gunner, Grayson Gunner, Hudson, Hudson. You got okay. CJ. You've got don't, uh, say don't say it. Who am I missing? It's okay. You're not. You don't have to worry about any others. That's all. We we said Hudson. We said Hud, Hudson. No, they don't. No, he didn't count. Why didn't he count? Man, come on now. Are you serious? <laughs> He's a tight end. I mean, anyway, back to the running backs. But I mean, we, we were all touted that, you know, we had we had talent. We have talent. And we do, but, and this is going to be the one word you hate. It's going to be the one word you hate. It's young talent. I don't like it, but I'm going to use it some right now because I think it's a fair assessment. What are you showing me here? Our producer's like. What are we? Dead yep. air. Yeah. I t- yeah, see? And there, that, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, this was the, this was the, the quote I was talking about. Oh, man, go away. Did you find it? Yeah, he got the quote. <laughs> it's oh. not the video of it. but the, the, Hey, so, it's still the quote. So he was asked, um, this was during spring practice when he was still at SMU when the, when they got there, when the new coach came, and they asked him what they thought about the differences in the offense. He said, I think, to me, it's more high-percentage throws. He said, Hicks said of the differences, it's not as much backyard football. The offense seems more detailed and descriptive. You know where you're going with the ball sooner than I feel like the last couple of years I was playing more backyard football. What, what I? So if you if you if you listen to those words, that tells you all you need to know about the trouble that Hicks is having. Hicks needs Hicks needs a a prescribed route. He has to know where to go with the ball. Hicks, you know the one you know Hicks. one thing I noticed about Hicks versus Starkle. Starkle, the receivers have to have to show a glimpse of being open, and he fires it in there. Well, Hicks waits. Hicks waits until the very last minute and for those receivers to be wide open before he even decides to throw the ball. They're, that's probably where he's having the most trouble. Well, it is, and he's holding on to the ball too long, and there's two reasons for that. One, he, he called him an Allen brother. Oh, man. <laughs> one, one reason, but, but one reason why he struggles is he can't make those reads. He doesn't no. make the reads quick enough. And then the second reason he struggles, and the reason he doesn't throw the ball as soon as the receiver gets open is, excuse me, it's because – um, he doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't you know, have I noticed the ability that. to get it in there. Did you see from the minute he got the snap how far he's got to lean back and launch it mm-hmm. just to get it 20 yards? Yeah, it, his arm strength, and I'd love to see John Stephen Jones stand next to him and throw because we've been told that 
you know, he was the more consistent. But Jay the reason Jay, Jay can't play is because of his size and arm strength. Well, I got an argument for that too, but I, we can. I can't imagine that his arm strength is that much worse than Hicks. Those that was the most glaring thing. You know, I didn't go to the Portland State game, but we were there for the Ole Miss game, and and we had really good seats where we could really watch everything from up. And I, it was amazing to watch the differences, and and it was so much so that, and and I think, uh, and, and I might be wrong in what I saw. I haven't, I didn't get a chance to go back and watch the full game again, but there were two throws, and I think one, Hayden just didn't look. He didn't even try. Um, there was th- one where he looked at that. I think he looked. Was it CJ or that was CJ on the who on looked the, the who looked the, the wrong re- way? Well, he looked the right. CJ looked the right way. We threw it the wrong on the on the reverse pass. Um, that again, another question. I, we could go down that rabbit hole. Well, we'll get there in a minute. But there were two moments though that I noticed with Starkle, where he made reads ex- either extremely quickly or someone was in the wrong place. I thought the one to Hayden was that way, but from what I've heard anyway, from what a lot of people have said, is that Hayden just never even looked. The other one though was, I want to say it was it was it was Knox and Burks were running the same seam route, and Starkle threw the ball before anybody turned around. Now I don't know if that was a timing route where one of them was supposed to option one way or the other, but both guys ran a, just a straight up the seam, and Starkle threw it immediately and it hit him in the, like in the back of the head. It was the one that bobbled around up in the air forever, like it got knocked up and hit. Was off that in the fourth quarter? Missing. Yes, third I, or fourth. I, I didn't. Remember. I did not watch the fourth quarter. Well, we didn't leave. We stayed till the final buzzer. But who does that fall on? Does that fall on the players or does that fall on the coaches in practice? Well, and see, I think that's a fair question, and that's something that I that you know, I, I wanted to bring up tonight too. Is if you look online, if you watch, if you if you read social media and all the couch experts, um, and we've had plenty of those over the man, last forty eight hours. Yeah, we'll go over some of that, but um, I think it's a fair question. I think it's I think it's a very fair question to ask about you know of who's where where the where the fault lies here whether it's with the coaching staff or the players but to me I, I don't think the I don't think it's an issue of whether or not these coaches are coaching up the players it's a matter of you've got to again I don't like to use this term but you have a lot of youth on the field that's learning on the fly yeah now we'll get into this in a minute but that was not a great home field advantage for Ole Miss it was not some raucous like crazy environment that these freshmen had to go into. They're going to see much worse before this year's over. I think there were like 47,000 people at that game. It was really empty. But, again, these are freshmen. These are kids that a lot of them, I mean, Burks has been there coming off an ACL. You know, he's barely been there for for fall, you know. I mean. I guess I can say this, though. At least we're not Tennessee. Yeah, yeah we'll get into that, too. Uh, but um, I want to I, I ask you, uh, is Chad Morris the guy? Is he the one to carry this program forward? I still say yes. I'm not. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. I'm not either. But I do say, and again, I will. I will jump on a wagon, but it won't be the fire Chad Morris wagon. Yeah, he's gonna have to take control of them coordinators. I think it falls on uh, Joe Craddock's got to do something. And I, okay, so how much time we got left here, Will? Okay, so I think that's a question we need to take up um, when we come back. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll get your answer when we, when we come back. Okay, yeah, let's do that. All right, you're listening to Inside the Natural State, an Arkansas sports podcast. We, the people. Stand tall, equal, and free. In pursuit of happiness. And premium American spring water. Mineral-rich, revitalizing goodness. With a naturally detoxifying high alkalinity. And 7.8 pH. Bottled in glass. To oxygenate our brave, proud selves. The healer and hydrator of. We. We. 
We. The people. The Mountain Valley spring water. Back to the source. and Steve here with you. So I posed a question before the break. Is Chad Morris the guy to carry us forward? So the um, social media warriors have been out in full force. Oh, my God, have they? Good Lord. Everything from, uh, well, anyway. Yeah, we'll get into that later, too. Is is Chad Morris the guy? Yes. As of now, I'm not changing my mind. It's been 14 games. I agree. 14. I'm not jumping on that bandwagon yet. I've, I've made this point on social media several times. 14 games, 70-plus percent turnover rate right now in the program in less than two calendar years. 19 months on the job. You're playing, I don't know how many freshmen it is, but it's a lot. 53? It's it's a stupid number. Um, There's a lot of inexperience. There's a lot of guys that are learning on the fly. You never want to have to play this much youth in in SEC football, period. No. Portland State was concerning, obviously. Um, Like I said, we've hashed that out a million times. It was concerning from what we saw. I think as we watch as we watch what's unfolded, I think the criticism on Morris right now is fair. I, I think that the fact that he made the decision to go with Hicks to start the season was a, was a bad choice. It was that was a bad yeah. decision on the coaching staff. But at what point at what point, Steve, does apathy start to set in? I mean, I, well, now here's the thing: if this team is three and one after these in the, over these after these next two games, I think people are going to forget about it and be excited about the NM. These same people that are. You know, being well, negative toward him now are going to be like, ah, oh, I knew he'd go. No, the, the majority will be just fine. The majority will, especially if we go out and handle Colorado State by 15 points or, you know, a, a, a double-digit win, um, a double-digit win against San Jose State, leave no doubt, especially in the You San really State think game. we'd beat Colorado State by double digits? I'll give you that in a little bit. Um, but uh, oh, but Don't play with my emotions yeah, like well, that. What's wrong with you, I'll man? Let you, I'll let you know my pick on that one. But, ah, crap. Um, I, so, I just – Yes. To answer the question, I think Chad Morris is the guy. I, I think there's there's nothing I've seen right now, considering where we've come from, to what he inherited, to where we are today, that tells me that he can't get it done. Now, you said earlier, a few episodes ago, that anything less than five wins is not an improvement. That's right. I still feel that way. Okay. If he wins three, with the amount of youth that's on the team, and I'm not saying he's going to end up losing his job this season. And that, that's that is that's not going to happen. Okay, well, they're going they to give him. They don't win another game. He'll lose his job. Uh no, I think he's guaranteed one more year. Mm, I'd be shocked. I think he. I no, and I've been saying this on social media as well. They're going to go after the assistants before they go after Chad Morris. You would think, but he has a relatively low buyout, and I mean these are a lot of things that need to be talked about. Like are we eight, really eight, talking about a buyout? But. But a year, at, a year, at, a at year and a half day, in? I don't, I don't think there's anything that keeps that would keep him here from a 1-11 season. I mean, now you're going down. That, that's not going to happen. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't see that happening. Um, but I still feel the same way. I still feel like this team – look, the Ole Miss game, we, when we debated this and we went back both times, Oof. The old, to me, I told you, the Ole Miss and the Kentucky games, I felt we would split because they're on the road. And I think I actually picked us to beat Ole Miss and lose to Kentucky. But I, I think I said, at you the know, time, pre-camp, I had, I went back and listened. And pre-camp, I had them losing to, to Ole Miss. Yeah, and, and so the loss to Ole Miss wasn't surprising. It's the manner in which we lost it. It's a game yeah. that, it's a game that we could have won. Um, it's a game that if they well, we left what 14, 17 points on the field. Well, at least missed the field goal 
and there was two touchdowns that that there's one touchdown that got called back. So re- in reality, you're looking at maybe 21 points. Well, realistically, if you look at so the missville goes three, the pass to Whaley, if we're going to call that a touchdown, the one that he had to die basically die yeah. for. Okay. Then the one that went over his head. Yeah. And then the one that got called back on the illegal. Okay. Formation. So 24 points. So I mean, potentially, yeah. But you're still points. But you're still looking at a 31-24 loss. Well, no. Well, potentially. I but. The debate's been out there. You know, if Starkle would have started the game, we would have won the game. Probably because I think the offense would have more moved yeah. more efficiently, which would have taken some of the load off of the defense. And I think I think he would have thrown for at least three, four hundred yards. Oh, without well, yeah, at least three. I, I you know, the and that's the thing. We're moving the ball. Well, th- but I think the difference you're going to see this week with with um, with Starkle being the guy going forward is that the running game should work better. If you if Go back and if you get a chance, go back and watch the game and see what happens in that second half. The safeties, they're no longer down in the box. No. The safeties are back and they're they are concerned because we finally have a legitimate throwing quarterback. And so to me, I still want to know what the hell took so long. I don't know. Why does he why is he so hesitant and so reluctant to lean on Starkle? You mean Hicks? No, 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 no. He was so hesitant. Before oh, now, yeah. before now, yeah. he was so hesitant to put Starkle in there. Well, and I just wonder if it's – I can see it from the perspective. I don't think it was the right – obviously, I don't think it was the right choice. And, and looking back on it now, I think we'd be 2-0 and if he would have made the right choice. Um, well, I, but, but he, he even said during his press conferences during fall camp, Starkle had the better camp. Jones had the better camp. Yeah, and some of that could have been coach speak, kind of continue to push Hicks a little bit and, and knowing that Hicks was going to be the starter – I think if you look at Don't it, go down that rabbit hole. Well, but that, I'm not really trying to go down a rabbit hole there. I think my point is that I think initially his hope was is that Hicks could do enough in this first four game stretch. So you have a fairly easy four game stretch. When you think about how bad of a team Ole Miss is, you would think that this four game stretch for sure that Hicks could come in and could be serviceable enough as he was at SMU to move the team up and down the field. You know, especially against those two teams or these four yeah, teams. Yeah, I can see that. And versus a guy like Starkle, who we saw in his very first patch pass of the season come out and be a gunslinger and try to fit a ball into a tight hole and throw an interception. I think he felt – I think a, that was more nerves than anything else. Well, but I think it was him trying to prove his arm strength. And so when you think about it from that perspective, he's been compared – you know, he's been called a gunslinger. He likes to make – he likes to take chances, which was a big reason why we knew he would make the offense more exciting. You know who he kind of reminds me of? Not – not – you know, pound for pound and, and arm strength. He kind of reminds me of Ryan Mallett. Yeah. His, in, a, in a sense. A with his arm, arm strength-wise, but everything yeah. else. You know, he's he's not – I don't – you know, one thing about Mallett, he was a very cerebral quarterback. Um, now, he wasn't a very seemingly smart individual, but he was a very cerebral well, football quarterback. From football, he knew the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know where – I don't know. I don't know a lot about um, – uh, Starkle's, you know, his makeup there. It se- he seems like a very knowledgeable football guy. I would assume so. I mean, he was really good. He's a really very, very talented guy. But he does take Katie a lot of just loves him. Katie well, thinks. Yeah. Well, her, between him and, and uh, John Stephen Jones, she's been on high on John Stephen Jones for well, – Let's hope we don't go down that road. But – and so, I mean, I, I think that was the biggest reason they made that choice. And I know that Morris came out and said that was, you know – um, Starkle, Starkle definitely has the most upside, but it was uh, they didn't want to have him get stuck in bad situations and put these freshmen in bad situations, which would kill any momentum. Unfortunately, Hicks couldn't do anything to gain any momentum, which is which is what it, what it inevitably cost us. 
So, yeah, I mean, we're all entitled. Sorry, I'm I'm watching. There's a a fight just broke out on Monday Night Football. Oh boy! um, Between the Saints and the Texans, and and yeah, it was it was a beauty here. Let me let me. Well, so so, but no, I mean it's it's one of those things that. Everybody woke up this morning blasting, blasting on social media, on the radio. You call it, I mean, you name it, they're, they're blasting. They're blasting it. Yeah. Well, and but it leads me to this question. Is it the offense or is it the execution? And who in the world thought it was smart to run the wild hog? Yeah, and that is the only question. So... The, the big the big question that's come up a lot here lately is is of course Craddock needs to go Craddock they <coughs> excuse me sorry about that I've got this awful cough that will not go away but you've been dealing with that for a while I know it the so the question has been you know is it Craddock it should Morris be playing calling the plays well here the reason I ask is Craddock called the Ole Miss game from the box mm-hmm. okay on several of those plays the announcers as well said that Boyd was lining up too far back. Okay? If they can see it, and you can see it, and I could see it, why couldn't the coaching staff? And, and, and who's to say they didn't see it? And just, I and don't know. What I, do you mean they chose? You can't tell me they chose to ignore it. I'm not going to say they chose to ignore it, but I don't, again, we don't know what happens on the sidelines in that situation. So I, I, don't, I don't really know there. But from, from a perspective of, of whether or not it's the offense – or, or if it's execution or play calling. Sorry, I got a cough. Get over there, buddy. Man, this cough drop's not doing any good. <coughs> anyway. I'm afraid to give him cough medicine because he'd pass out halfway through the show. Probably so. Get drunk off cough medicine. <laughs> but, I mean, <coughs> to me, if you're looking at it, okay, you got to wonder if it's this coaching staff. That's, I mean, it's what it boils down to, is this coaching staff, plain and simple. Okay, it's it. it they they talk about it every time in, in you know in their in their press conferences. They talk about it in spring camp that you know practice, practice, practice. But the thing is, practice is what you do during the week. Okay, and the result of those practices is what we see on the field on Saturday nights. And so far, what we've seen on Saturday nights, <laughs> not all that great. It's not all that great. Oh, this audio is going to be terrible. I'm sorry, guys. I you good? Coughing. I don't know. We'll see if I can get through this. All right. But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and that's been the big argument, I think, over the last couple of days is, well, really, since the Portland State game, is, is, it, the, is it the coordinator, is it the execution? I don't think the play calling has been bad other than – the uh, there's been a few times. Well, so the wild hog I thought was very strange. I didn't understand that at all. You uh, know, somebody somebody on Twitter, uh, <laughs> I, bu- I think it was actually one of the hogettes that had tweeted either at me or at the at the page and said uh, the wild hog, you know, how, how he came out the week before and said, oh, it's vanilla, We you know, whatever. She goes, well, this is just, the you know, the wild hog is just that little chocolate swirl within the vanilla. Yeah. And if that's what and if that's what they were trying to keep away from Ole Miss, Ole Miss read that better than we did. But well, I don't know that it was. It's easy to read number one because you know Boyd's not throwing it. So and then which can I? (laughs) 
Boyd's got a better QBR than Ben Hicks does. That's that's scary. I'm I'm just gonna throw that out there. So the reason it was so easy to read though, there so there were two major issues with it. Well, three. The snaps were slow. You could they they couldn't get the snaps back. I mean, Clary's Ty Clary's snap those shotgun snaps are off. I don't understand what's going on with his snap. Uh, I know last year he was he was dealing with injuries and things like that, but well, I mean, last year he was basically rolling them back there. At least they're getting there in the air. They just tumble back there and take forever. Yeah. Um, so that to me was one huge reason why there was such such a massive issue with that with the wild hog. The other is there's you, you know that Boyd's pr- not going to throw it, and then and then three, the penetration that the that the defensive line was getting, it it basically it, it took away any option of so when they were running the sweep or anything any of the jet sweeps they were trying to run off of it, they were pretty much dead from the beginning because there was no containment. So to me. I saw some questionable play calls at times, but I didn't think in general overall that the entire that I didn't I don't I think it's an execution issue more than it's anything. Well, but at the end of the day, I mean, who do you who do you look at and go this needs to be fixed? I mean, is it the player on the field or the coach on the sideline? Well, okay. Cuz like I like I said a few minutes ago, that we could practice all week long and the result of that practice is what you put on the field Saturday night. And what we've seen in two weeks doesn't bode well and doesn't look good. Yeah. Doesn't look like they're doing much in practice. And the, the key word, and I'm, I'm probably going to set you off here, the key word that everybody's dropping today, fundamentals. Yeah. I don't see as big an issue in fundamentals, and I'd be really curious who or what the issue is from a fundamental standpoint. You know, to me – to me, the uh, f- from a from a fundamental standpoint, I thought they I thought they tackled pretty well. I think they probably still need to work on that. Again, we're still early in the season, um, so from a fundamental standpoint, I didn't think that they played. Now, I you know I, I caught myself trying to watch the offensive line as much as possible to get some ideas. We're there. still struggling. I thought so. I thought the offensive line played well in the second half with Hicks in. I thought Hicks manipulated the pocket better than Hicks did. I mean, the start. Well, and even even in the post game, you know, start. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm getting them both confused now. Sticks. Sticks. <laughs> um, even Starkle came out and said, "Look, I told I told the guys. I said, look, I said I'm not going to hold on the ball. I'm going to get you the ball as fast as I can.' Yeah. And and he did that. Right. And, and but even in time, he was, you know, what I what you saw with Hicks is Hicks would try to run around and out of the pocket, or just run. Left and right, he wouldn't. Well, that's run what I'm up. saying. Sticks, uh, sticks, <laughs> Starkle, sticks. You got me saying it. So Starkle <laughs> would, uh, Starkle will step up into the pocket. He's got no issue stepping up. Yeah, and that's why he took a few extra hits. But and he he took a lick, and I was very impressed. Yeah, but I'm also worried. Okay, if he's going to take licks like this against Ole Miss, an Auburn, an Alabama, or an LSU. Yeah, but well, and I mean those are different. That's going to bring. What happens though? We put all of our eggs in a basket. With start with with what we're apparently calling the Starkle Sparkle, where the mm-hmm. hell did that start? Yeah, that's it's trending on Twitter now. Is the Starkle Sparkle? I I don't know. Um, <laughs> what happens if he gets his bell rung and we got to put Hicks in? Well, then we're back to square one. I mean, and it is what it is. Uh, and and my last question though hey. is is are we going to see KJ? We will. I I don't think there's any value now. Let's say this. They better not burn a red – I don't think they'll burn the red shirt. No, 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 he won't. That won't happen unless there's injuries. But I will say this. If you want to run the Wild Hog, you do it with KJ. 
if 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 you're gonna Ooh. if you're gonna run it because I think that um you know the, the, we'll see KJ and I think KJ is going to get his opportunity. I don't think you've gained anything in the last two weeks of playing KJ. Um, I think where you're going to see the benefit for KJ if you really want to play him is you build the package, you build a hog wild style package for him for that for four games. You I know, can see that. Um, I I don't know. Unless we're just up by a ton against Colorado State. I really do think you'll see him against San Jose. I think that's probably the first time you're going to see him. Um, unless just we, we just go off in this next game and, and, and the execution's there with Starkle at quarterback and then we're up. Big. Well, you gotta, you got to feel like you've, you've got to feel like we're right there. It's just a matter of getting the right piece to the right puzzle. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. because you know, And again – Youth plays a big factor in this. Yeah, it does. I mean, you can see it on the field, and that's part of the big issue. But I think where the issue with that comes from and why we shouldn't have went with Starkle to begin with was, you know, we were led to believe that Starkle would be the best option to bring, to get these freshmen going and in the right spots. And instead, we had, a, we had, we had Hicks who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and so you could get no rhythm going because you couldn't start any tempo because you couldn't move the ball. I really think that they – and again, we're wrapping this one up. I really think that if Starkle would have, if they'd have left Starkle in, in uh, during the Portland State game, he'd have settled down. Oh, there's no doubt. I think pulling him, pulling him after that one interception, and then coming out and saying, "Well, he didn't do enough." You didn't yeah. leave him in long enough. I, I think if they would have given him the start to the, the second half in that game, I think the score would have been a lot different. It would have, and, and and he would have been the starter for this game. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Oh. Well, so when we get back, I guess you get to ask me a little bit about my Yeah, when we there. get back, I'm going to put Steve on the hot seat. Steve was in the Grove on Saturday, and uh, we get to get to hear all about it. So coming up, Steve's in the hot seat on Inside the Natural State. On Inside the Natural State. Inside the natural state, and this time Steve is on the hot seat. Wait, you mean Chad Morris is no longer on the hot seat? It's just me? No, I'm just kidding. No. Nah. <laughs> he's cooking on the back burner. I don't know that he's cooking yet. Calm down, Rage nah. of Nation. Calm nah, down. Nah, he's all right. Calm down. It's okay. Smi- no, so, I got to know. You okay. went to the Grove this weekend. Yeah. I, and I, was, I was really excited. You were. When you, left, when you left Friday, you were really excited. So... So what what exactly happened? Okay, I'm going to preface this by oh crap, I wasn't feeling great, as you can tell. Hopefully, we get through this segment without me dying, um, and coughing and uh, a lung up, and it was like nine thousand <laughs> degrees. Um, but man, I have heard so so. A buddy of mine, we have a goal. We're trying to hit every road or every SEC stadium, and we've made it to I don't know several. Well, Ole Miss is one that I've not been to. He's been a lot. He, he's from – or he, he's lived in Oxford. His mom – he lives in Oxford now. His parents right. live there. So, they've talked up the Grove, just like everybody else has talked up the Grove. It's supposed to be the premier tailgating experience in the SEC. It was the most overrated crap I have ever been a part of. It was basically just a bunch of – You mean <laughs> – Something like that. Yeah, that was that was pretty well where it went. It was a huge disappointment. So, so for anyone that's not been to the Grove, basically here's your layout. 
it's tents literally everywhere. So tents and tents and it's just tents piled on top of tents. I mean, so they're you know so okay so. I'm going off of what I know at War Memorial. Mm-hmm. So you got little little tailgating spots that that you get that wow. your vehicles pull into. Thunder. <coughs> um, you get like what ten foot? Yeah. Well, basically, you got the vehicles pull in, and everybody kind of tailgates in between. Right. You, know, you let you set all your stuff up. People are playing bago. You know, throwing footballs around. You got grills firing. Yeah, grills. Same kind of experience at the grill, right? No, not at all. You're so kidding me. You don't. I mean, it's and I get it. War Memorial is a little different story where you actually drive up onto the tailgating circle. Well, yeah, so but that's fine. Um, but basically, it is just a bunch of pretentious jack wagons with their chandeliers, sipping their hotty toddies with a bunch of finger food. That's wow. it. Wow. It was there, no grills. There tell, was me not, how, tell me how you really feel about there it. There was not one grill. They don't allow grills. How do you tailgate without a grill? No grills. Okay. What did they so, have? Broccoli sticks? So check this out. Saturday morning, I wake up, and my buddy, we're staying at his parents' house. My buddy's mom has been preparing for the for the uh, for for the tailgate all morning. What is it? Tea and crumpets. So, so no, I'm thinking like like I'm thinking she's getting like some burgers ready, some good stuff to throw on the grill. No, dude, it was like little tortilla rolls and and sandwiches and uh, all kinds of other of just some. It was so I felt like I was going to like a picnic, like a picnic in the park with my little sandwiches and and so then we get there. Was it was it the little cucumber sandwiches? Yeah, stuff like that. Like the the really, ta- I don't know. It was weird. What they do? Cut fruits. the bread, cut they the cut the crust too. off the breads and stuff. Dude, they had like fruit trays and stuff, like at a tailgate. Yeah, and crackers and dips and it was weird. Oh, what? So, for those of you that that can't see it, it, my head just exploded. Yeah, I did not see one game of bago. I think I saw two kids throwing a football around. But by the time you get to about three o'clock, there are so many people walking around that you can't move. Like I mean, literally, every, there's so the so way it's where do they where do they tell where do they tell where is it that they tailgate? Well, at? it's in the center of campus and it stretches out for longer. Now I, I'll say this: I didn't walk the whole thing. I think there's a square down a little further that I didn't go down to just because it was so hot and busy. Yeah. But where we were, we were in kind of the main clump, and it's now the the one saving grace is all shaded. Um, and, and so you're all set up underneath all these trees and then you have aisles that run kind of between, but all the aisles is just where everybody was standing and congregating because you couldn't hardly sit in your tent because there were so many people around the tents. So the best part, well, not really the best part, but just to throw you for another loop. So we're sitting there in the tent and my buddy's dad and my buddy's stepdad says, Hey, you want a beer? And I was like, sure, I'll have a beer. We're tailgating. You're supposed to drink a beer, right? Yeah. He said, well, you're going to have to pour it in a cup. <laughs> I said, why do I have to pour it in a cup? He said, well, we're technically not supposed to drink, but you can drink. You just got to put it wait, in a wait, cup. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. You're in the South. Mm-hmm. You're at a football game. Mm-hmm. No grills. No. Mm-hmm. No bagos. Mm-mm. And now no beer? Mm-hmm. What in the hell kind of tailgate? You can't even call it a tailgate. Well, there were no tailgates, so it wasn't a tailgate. No, it was. I'm telling you, man. Let me guess. Were 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 the were the were the gentlemen in polos and khakis? I didn't look at too many men. Now were the were the girls in sundresses and heels? Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. Easy. Let me just <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I give I give Ole Miss this. There was some um, attractive sights walking around. You, you wouldn't have enjoyed it though, because she would get mad and. You're good. You don't need to look at those things. I shouldn't either, but, man. 
You're getting, you're getting the. Uh oh. I didn't throw, do anything. She's throwing more underwear. She's throwing more underwear, and it's not a good thing this time. I was gonna. Well, I'm. Don't know. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. But no, I mean, how do you not have? I mean, and, I, and again, I'll, I've heard her story, and I'll tell that in a minute when you're when you know. But this wasn't. The, what is it, like the world's most least expensive tea party? It was awful. I mean, it was. I. I don't know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't hold a candle to War Memorial. I, I'm. And honestly, I, I've been, I mean, we've been to a lot of stadiums, and we've taken part in some of the tailgating at different places, and I, I thought it was the worst I've ever been to. Now, maybe it's because both teams sucked, and it, there's not a lot of excitement. I mean, there was like 47,000 people in the stadium, so. What's the what's the capacity? Uh, about the size of. Sure. It's it, I was going to say, it's about the size of War Memorial, isn't it? 60 or so, it felt like, maybe. I don't know. Um, it was a small, there was a lot of empty seats in that stadium. So, I mean, maybe that was part of it, maybe. Two or three years ago, when Hugh Free was there banging prostitutes and paying players, <laughs> um, wait, you know. paying prostitutes? No, sorry, yeah. not paying prostitutes and banging players. He was paying other. her too, but yeah, well. yeah. she was probably cheaper than the players. <laughs> hey, I wonder. I wonder if that. Never mind. I was gonna <laughs> say, if, is that where the blonde transferred from? From Ole Miss to Ole Miss from Arkansas? Probably. Oh well. Yeah. But no. Okay. So the tailgate sucked. Yes. Okay. So you're walking up the stadium. Game time. Gates open. Please tell me it gets better. No. So, okay. Okay, does it get worse? Twofold here. Oh, crap. I, so, if I'm a handicapped individual, I'm just going to – their ADA situation is awful. I mean, it was bad. Did you have – did you had? Did yeah, you have so we had wheelchair seats. My buddy, he had a car accident about a year – almost exactly a year ago, and so he's still recovering and can't walk. Right. Um, and so – um, so we ended up with with seats up in the which there at that stadium your wheelchair access seats are at the very basically the top it's on the top of the bowl area, and so um, we had a lot of issues. I I cussed out a security guard and um, nicely done. Probably should have been thrown out of the stadium. Nicely done. Um, but it was that was very disappointing. If I was if I was a handicapped individual, I'd probably never go back to that stadium. Well, I, I wouldn't go back anyway, but certainly wouldn't go if I was a handicapped individual because it was it was bad. Um, so, I mean, that part of it was pretty terrible. The, the stadium's nice. Um, but now, this is where I'll give them credit. If that stadium would have been full, their game day experience, like as far as in-game atmosphere, is a lot of fun. Compared to ours? Yeah. I mean, you know, now I've not been to a game this year. We're going to go this weekend. But um, in my past experience at games, it's it's boring. Like if for Razorback games at, at Razorback Stadium. Well, here's the – so do they do – and I, and this I guess this is years past that – between breaks and during the timeouts, they do all these awards right. and game balls. Did, does Ole Miss do that same they thing? Had a or? couple. It wasn't a lot. Like every once in a while, like I think maybe. I so what did they do? Like what that. did they do during the timeouts? The rest of the time they played music. Like there was one point I don't remember when we were. I'd have to go back. I, I shared it on the Snapchat page, um, but they were blaring some music. Had all the lights in the stadium flashing and going crazy and. The fan, I mean, for 40-something thousand people that were there, it was loud at that moment. Like, this was in between the, during a commercial break. Yeah. But they did it perfectly. They timed it to where when they came out of the – when they were coming out of the break that it was just – it was loud. It was, it was obnoxious. I think we were on offense. So, I mean – So, they, they did it to rile up the crowd. Yeah, they, and they do a uh, great job. I mean, that's and it, smart. And, it, and we don't do those kind of things. <coughs> at least we haven't to this point. Now, I, I've heard that there's some changes, so maybe well, we'll we see that this weekend. we don't have much to – we haven't had a – well, and that changes the. I don't know if you noticed. We haven't had a night game at War Memorial or at. Uh, uh, well, at either one. Right. We haven't had a, a night game at, in Fayetteville. We will in two weeks, a week and a half. Yeah, six thirty. State game, six thirty. Six thirty. SEC Network. Yeah, but I mean, 
you don't even need a night kickoff to have a raucous crowd. I mean, it helps, but I mean, I think it. I think it does more at night than it does at eleven o'clock. Yeah, in the oh, morning. Well, in eleven o'clock now, and 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 early in the season, those three o'clock games, yeah, killer too. Right. Well, yeah, but and so I mean, I I, I mean, and I think that they've been trying to make some changes there as far as to get. Um, to get that game day atmosphere better, but I, I'll give Ole Miss credit; they they did really really good from that aspect. Now, okay, so you're in this. Did you have the uh, different SEC stadium? Yep. Okay. Are the rules? Do they have the same type of, type of rules um, outside of an SEC game? Like, so you know how War Memorial has has a blanket. They 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 follow the same rules no matter what the. Uh, the event is inside the stadium. Does the Grove have that same thing? What do you mean as far as? Um, clear bag policy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a um, Scanning flight. tickets, things like that. Yeah, it was weird, actually, when we came in. Um, so I, we noticed something, and I don't know if the University of Arkansas is doing this. Ole Miss is doing it next year. So as of 2020, they will be completely paperless. There will be no tickets, no nothing. You, you don't, and you don't, you can't use cash. Um, like, everything is literally on your phone um, or yeah, so were your tickets on your phone? Yeah. How do they have there? You could have physical paper tickets, but right. you also had a QR code. Yeah. yeah. And they just scanned your phone, but it was funny. So it's kind of like Verizon Arena does now. Yeah. But now I'll say this: security at War Memorial is probably tighter than it was at 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 the at at, uh, at Old Miss Stadium. When we walked in, I mean, we were early. We got we walked in about an hour before kick. Um, <laughs> but as we walked in. I literally had to take my phone to the lady with the scanner and make her scan my ticket. Otherwise, I just would have walked in. Like, they just let you in? Yeah, they opened the gates, and there was, and we just walked right in. And had I not stopped and made the lady scan my ticket, I probably could have just walked in and not had a ticket. Wow. So, I mean, it was, again, first there, that was their first home game, so <coughs> probably some, some stuff there. But So, but, yeah, I mean – Overall, I, I thought their game day, their their in game atmosphere was really good, and I could and I it's something. Where where was your seats in comparison to other Ole Miss fans, the student <laughs> section, the band? Because so, the diagram that they showed online was, I guess it was on the west side of the stadium. Yeah, I don't remember. We were on the Arkansas sideline, um, but we weren't with the main set of Arkansas fans. So the well, Arkansas the reason I ask is is there was only like two or three sections that they had allowed. It's not like LSU when they put Texas's band up in the nose, right? please. Yeah. <laughs> well, they actually put Arkansas's band right at the corner next to the field. So they were low, but of course okay. they had a very small band there. Um, yeah, I think there, there's only a handful of band members that go, right. that travel. And then um, we had a section, like the Razorbacks had a section right behind the bench, I'd say probably – the 30-yard line, um, and it was pretty full. And then there was another section of Razorback fans, kind of the back corner of the end zone. Um, we were about the 15-yard line. It's um, not bad. About 60 rows up. Um, so we, we had a really good vantage point where we were. And it was cool because when the sun went down, the weather was phenomenal. It was hot all day until the sun went down. And we were like in a wind tunnel. So we just got the Sweet. breeze the whole time. Um, but, man, I said this on Twitter while I was there, but I got a bone to pick, I'm going to tell you. I've never seen this happen, and I thought this was one of the most classless things that I've ever seen happen in, in, in terms of what fans can do at a game. Um, so as we came out from half and everybody's warming up, and if, if you've ever been to a game, the special teams comes out first, and they kick, and you know, kick, yeah, they, yeah. They, the, the kickers come out and they do all their things. So Limpert, who had obviously struggled in the first half, um, Limpert comes out to, to kick his practice kicks, and he's booming them. I mean, I, he didn't, he, those were the best kicks he had all day. 
Well, from about 35 yards out, he was nailing them over the net. Well, on that side of the end zone, that end zone, that full end zone is the student section. Like, they, the students have the entire end zone. Yeah, I've heard stories about that. Uh, I think, I, I think I've, I've heard a story about this. Yeah, so it's really neat. But so every ball that would go in the stands, you know, typically you throw one back. Um, or, you know, if you really want one, you kind of keep it. But, you know. I've tried that before. and I got away with it once. They chased me down. <coughs> so Limpert is kicking these balls into the stands. The, the students are catching them and then turning around and throwing them further up the stands and then throwing them further up the stands until they get to a guy that's at the very top, and they threw every single practice football that Limpert was kicking out of the stadium to no. the point where he basically couldn't kick anymore because they'd thrown all the balls out of the stadium. Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty classless. I mean, again. Well, I had heard I, there's various stories on uh, on Twitter, social media, things like that about – Ole Miss fans pouring beer on the Arkansas contingents. Um, one was talking so much crap that one of them about jumped the, the guardrail and got into a fight. I mean, now, I've heard Death Valley at night is worse. Right. But what, I mean, and, and of course I heard, you know, the security guards didn't do jack crap about it. No, and they didn't do anything about them throwing the footballs out. Uh, that somebody would have done something about that. I don't know if you listen to the radio today, but uh, one, they there, there's a radio station here that took a contention of Razorback fans for a contest down. Right. And their mobile, I guess, mobile unit truck or whatever got towed. But on top of that, 300 ounces of beer were poured out in the grass right in front of them. Mm-hmm. What... I, does Ole Miss have nothing better to do? I don't. I really don't know. Uh, like I said, I I saw plenty of drunk people. I don't know anybody that follows the Snapchat page, but there was a there was a uh, we had a really really drunk girl that was in the tent next to us. Oh boy! And um, she she was she was acting it acting a fool. Then at one point was laid out rolling around on the floor, just laid out on the grass, and we're dancing to whatever music was going on next. Oh to boy! Us. It was, um, it was interesting. So, but I mean, that's stuff you expect to see. So, but I, I mean. It it was yeah I mean I was pretty shocked that some so it's one of those it's one of those stadiums that you got you went you experienced it don't really care to go back no I don't I don't think I'd go back I don't I mean maybe if it was you know a game a really good game and it was worth going to but in general no I I've done my time there I'm good <laughs> I don't I don't want to go back and the Grove was highly overrated. Well, nobody does it quite like War Memorial. No, but again, uh, we we're gonna experience what get, what uh, tailgating's like up in Fayetteville in five days, yeah. six days. Yeah, and, and tailgating it way it's not great uh, on the hill just because of the the topography of, up there, and you know it, it lays out. I'm really excited to see what Hogtown's all about. Um, you know, this will be the second time they put it on, so I'm really I'm really curious to see how that works out. We need to we need to reach out to some Hogettes and see if we can track them down and meet them uh, face yeah. to face. So. Uh, We've, we've talked about the Grove. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the game. Let's wrap it up and move forward to Colorado State. The game sucked. It hurt. Yep. Do I think that, that Chad Morris needs to get a better grip on the mistakes that have been made? Because if you make one mistake and you don't learn from it, you make that same mistake again. It's the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yes, it is. What's that? What what is it then, Will? 
Oh, he's going to Google oh, it. Oh, crap. He's going to Google it. But <clears throat> my point is it's going to get better. But you have to give it time. Yeah. So the one thing I don't like, and this, is a, this could be another rabbit hole for another time. The one thing I don't like is that before the season, Chad Morris came out and said, we're not going to have another situation at quarterback like we had last year where we're flipping back and forth. We're doing the same thing. To an extent, but not to the way we were last year. I mean, I think he has settled in, uh, and, and I think that's the one big thing we can take out of this game is that I, I think finally we have the quarterback that should be in there. So I think Starkle's the guy, and, and I think he's the guy that needs to be in there. Um, to me, that's the plus. We can grow off of what he did in the second half of that game um, against an SEC defense. Uh, you know, we'll talk about our, you know, what we think about Colorado State coming up here in a, here in a few minutes. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think if you if we gained anything from that, that's 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 the one thing we can look at. Morse deserves the criticism he's gotten, um, and he's going to have to put a better product on the field over the next couple of weeks to get that some of that criticism to fall, fall to go away. Um, but hopefully. The new with with Starkle in there at quarterback, it makes a big change, and, and we. See I hope so. I hope so. So check it out. We are on all available devices, I think, Anchor, Spotify, and now on Apple. Yes. All you gotta do is in the search bar inside the natural state, you'll find us. Hit subscribe. We're also on social media. All you gotta do on your search bars: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Natural State Sports. Be sure to look us up. Call us on the Friday show, 501-888-9496. Hit me with an email, Zach at naturalstatesports.com. After this, we're going to be hanging out with Hutch and get his thoughts on Inside the Natural State. with Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. Hutch, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. Just, uh, you know, staying busy with football season. Now, uh, I, I, we missed you last week, but let me uh, let me start off with, by saying, what, what, what the hell's going on on the Hill? <laughs> yeah, the uh, there people are starting to realize that this is still a team that went two and ten last year. I mean, everyone thought it would be better, and probably thought that it, they would look better than they have the last two weeks. But I think we're just seeing the realities of of what where Arkansas is right now. And uh, the the biggest concern you could say is that they still don't really look like a, a juggernaut offensive team, which is what you expected you were going to get with Chad Morris and. You know, maybe that'll that'll change a little bit now that you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this some more. But now that they've changed the quarterback, you know, with Nick Starkle under center, uh, I've got a little bit more confidence that the offense can can get improved. And I think if you improve the offense, then then they're going to be a better team, obviously. So uh, I I'm I'm really I'm not quite ready to hit the you know panic button as oh my goodness this team this is a lost year because I mean I before the season I predicted Arkansas to lose to Ole Miss. Uh, I didn't did I. quite expect it to be like that, but still, I, I'm I'm still hopeful. I guess you could say that uh, the season isn't lost, and that they're gonna. There's still uh, some reason for optimism, at least as far as the offense is concerned. Well, I mean, it. it and I, I like I said, we could go down a thousand different rabbit holes here, but but let's not. Yeah, <laughs> let, let, let's not. But. Um, I, and, and Steve, I don't even know where to begin with with, with this team. I, I 
there are so many questions. And, and well, yeah, I mean, it, I guess where I am right now, and I'm curious to get Hutch's, Hutch's thoughts on this too, is, you know, I felt like the two things that have concerned me from weeks one and two is, and I know a lot of it is the offense and some vanillaness, and, but the lack of any real tempo, um, especially with Hicks, was supposed to be the guy that knew the offense. So there wasn't a lot of tempo there. I've been fairly impressed with where the defense has been. Um, you know, I think they got wore down. Um, on Saturday, but you know, I think they've played pretty well. But as from from an offensive perspective, is it just the fact? Is it all the youth? Is that the issue? Like, where, where what is? What are your thoughts on what's causing this offense to bog down? I think the youth has something to do with it, but I also really think that the, the quarterback play has also been a big factor because, I mean, it, it's really hard to to get in a rhythm and play with any type of tempo when you're going three and out or just having drives completely stall out and uh, now part of that's on on Ben Hicks you know he didn't perform well I mean he completed less than 50 percent of his passes both against Portland State and Ole Miss uh, but you know I think part of it is also the youth because I mean they you know are are having some of those problems that, that the coaches were worried about the reason they went with Ben Hicks in the first place is that you know he's got to get these guys aligned and we saw it uh, against Ole Miss it eliminated a touchdown when Traylon Burks was was lined up uh, on the line of scrimmage when he should have been off the line of scrimmage. Uh, so it, it, it's definitely a mixture of, of a lot of things. But I, I do think that uh, with, with Nick Starkle running the show, I think they're going to look a lot better. And as they get more comfortable with the offense, both Nick Starkle, the young guys, everybody in offense, I think that we'll start seeing it be more productive and then they can start speeding things up. I mean, first thing you, first thing first is you got to move the ball. Then you can worry about going fast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, we, we saw him get to move the ball fairly well in the second half, but I think one concern that I had that I noticed watching him was, um, you know, when, when, when Starkle came in in the second half, it seemed like we had a lot of pre-snap penalties and a couple of really – a lot of confusion a few times. And I, and I know that that was some of the worries that, uh, that Morris talked about before the season started and why Hicks was in there. Um, you know, obviously you got to hope they get that cleaned up, but I guess that would kind of fall into that youth side as well. Um. I guess the other big question I had, and since we didn't get to talk a lot after week one, is, you know, the big, I guess the big debate over the last two weeks has been, is it, you know, everybody wants to say fire the OC, let let Morris, let Morris call the plays. I haven't seen a whole lot now. Game two is a little different. I have some bones to pick with some of the stuff that was Easy called Easy there, buddy. Um, but did you feel that it was a I – mean, do you feel that there's an execution problem more than there's a play-calling problem? Uh, there were a few things that, you know, especially in the Ole Miss game, that it made you kind of, you know, scratch your head and wonder what they were thinking. You know, the Wildcat package yeah. was was a disaster. Uh, yeah. You know, just yeah. because you've got a, a talented running back where number five doesn't mean you can automatically run it. So uh, that that was that was kind of puzzling. And some of the some of the special plays they had, you know, trick plays, you know, they didn't quite work. Uh, you know, everyone wants to talk about the play where Mike Woods, you know, lost his mind and ran backwards for 14 yards uh, as, you know, why would they dial up a trick play there? Well, if they actually executed it correctly, you know, Starkle threw it to his left instead of throwing it to his right. If you look at it, you know, O'Grady's running down wide open and probably scores a touchdown right there. Yeah, O'Grady's got uh, six yards on that guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you had, you know, another play where, uh, you know, start or even before the quarterback change, you know, Hicks, uh, you know, a couple of passes to Devwal Whaley that probably would have been long touchdowns had, you know, he thrown it better where Whaley couldn't, you know, didn't have to stumble just to make the catch on one. Uh, I think it was a wheel route. Yep. And then, 
uh, you had him streaking down the middle of the, the field, you know, wide open and, you know, throw and uh, Hicks, Hicks throws a, a laser beam that is, you know, ba- barely off his fingertips. And so, you know, if, if those plays work, you know, they look, I mean, they were schemed up right and everything. So I, I think more of it's just an execution at this point, but, but there are, you know, some puzzling play calls here and there. I mean, you expect that, you know, pretty much at, at any level, uh, there's going to be plays that you just aren't really sure why they ran them. Uh, but really, I think right now I, I'm I'm kind of anxious to see, as I said, to see what it looks like with a full game of Nick Starkle. And obviously, it'll look better these next two weeks because you're facing non-conference opponents that you you should be able to move the ball on. Uh, but I think that I, I'm, I'm anxious to see how they look and just how smooth uh, the offense looks uh, with Starkle. Hutch, let me ask you: a couple of weeks ago, um, in fact, it was just last week. Now, my time is not a easy thing for me um Morris came out or I think it was Craddock that came out and said uh the reason they pulled Starkle is he didn't do enough to overtake Hicks he threw 200 yards against Ole Miss in a half where I mean why all the why are they leaving why did they leave Hicks in for so long I mean all of us that were watching the game were screaming at the TV pull Hicks I mean it got so bad to the point that the announcers on SEC Network were even saying, we thought we'd see Hicks by n- or uh, uh, Starkle by now. Is it because that he was out? You know, is it because he w- he didn't report for fall camp? Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest thing is that they you know, went with Hicks to begin with because of that experience, because of the knowledge of the offense, you know, things like that, and that that made sense to me. Like when he when he explained it, and that that's honestly what I predicted. Uh, I predicted it, you know, I, I mentioned it in a story that we did before fall camp. I said, I think that Hicks is going to win the job because he has the experience and that, that advantage of being in the offense already. Uh, what surprised me is that how poorly Hicks played. I didn't expect him to play this poorly. I, I kind of expected him to do, to move the offense here and there, make the throws you're supposed to make and just kind of, you know, look very average, uh, I guess you could say. But he, he's looked anything but that. Um, but I, I was a little surprised that they stuck with them uh, as long as they did. Uh, but I, again, I guess one reason they didn't make the switch earlier in the Ole Miss game is they said, "Hey, we brought him in cold off the bench in the second quarter against Portland State, and what did he do? He threw an interception in the red zone." So I guess maybe they're thinking, "Hey, let's give him a fresh start." You know, kind of. You know, we we saw this uh, some even in baseball. You know, you got a guy like Patrick Wicklander who came out of the bullpen. You know, if you bring him in with a you know two outs and a runner on second, he's not going to do well. But you bring him in, you know, on a fresh inning where he can start the inning, he does well. Uh, I think that's kind of how I saw it being uh, played with with Starfield. Is hey, we're going to give him a fresh start at the second half, uh, and it worked well for him. And now you know we'll see how he does. You know, getting the the fresh start at the beginning of the game. Yeah, I didn't have as much of a problem with him waiting until the second half. I had more of a problem with just not naming him the starter. I I, I think. The perplexing part to me out of all that was the fact that, you know, going back to the Portland State game was how when they, they threw him in there in a pretty tough situation twice, really, those two drives he got. I think the con- where I was confused is why he didn't come back in the second half. I think that's everybody's confusion. Um, especially he definitely looked like he had – I mean, he had the longest pass completion in that game. Um, so, I mean, you know, going into – as we go into the – you know, as we go into week three, um, you know, Colorado State seems to do pretty well in the passing game. I think they're averaging almost 400 yards a game. 
as we as we look at that, what are your thoughts as far as the defense? I don't think the defense – obviously, defense hasn't been t- tested against a team that's going to pass the ball like that. Defense has played pretty well other than getting pretty gassed in the second half. Um, what's been your thoughts on the defense and how they stacked up against Colorado State? Exactly. The defense seems that it's it's gotten gassed, you know, as the game went on. And that was one of my, you know, big questions. I actually asked Chad about that uh, today at the press conference was, you know, your, your secondary played almost every single snap in that game against Ole Miss. And it seemed like they got pretty worn down uh, by the time the fourth quarter rolled around. We saw that with a bunch of missed tackles and, you know, just things like that. And I was like, you know, do you want to start rotating some more? Do you want to get a Devin Bush or Jalen Catalan or Darius Bishop? These are these are talented guys that you've, you've hyped up and said are really good, but you haven't really gotten them in there. And, and he said that they do need to do a better job with, with rotating, and that way you're, you know, you're better conditioned as the game goes on. We, we've been seeing that, in, you know, linebacker, you know, Scuda obviously had some cramps uh, against Ole Miss, but – you know, Grant Morgan came in and, and gave them really solid reps. I in both Grant really the, well. Grant did play yeah, well. He did. He did. And he, he gave them reps against both, you know, Portland State and Ole Miss. And you're seeing it, the rotation of defense on the defensive line, even with the injuries to Gerald and Bell. Uh, all these young guys are, are rotating in. We just haven't seen it in the back end of the defense. And I think that if they can get a little bit of rotation going, and these are two perfect times to do it, both against Colorado State which, you know, that'll actually test them a little bit because they are a, a really uh, good passing team with uh, Colin Hill uh, running the show there. And then San Jose State uh, should be a team that they should also get some, you know, reps against and everything before having to face a guy like Kellen Mond at Texas A&M. So uh, I, I'm anxious to see how they, they handle the reps distribution in the secondary uh, over the next couple of weeks. Hutch. What does this all boil down to? I mean, we've heard it from the fans that it's fundamentals. We've heard from the fans that it's poor coaching. What if? And, and, I'm, and again, I'm not bashing Hicks. All right, he he he's a he's a good quarterback, but is he an SEC quarterback? No, uh, I think we've we've seen that uh, over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I just I don't know if if Hicks is is. I mean, I, I thought that Hicks, as I said, I thought Hicks would be a fine quarterback. I didn't think he would be great by any means. Uh, I didn't think he was going to be an all-SEC kind of guy, but I thought he'd be able to run the show. I mean, he did, you know, set all these records at SMU. And, yeah, he did have some NFL tied, or NFL wide receivers that he was throwing the ball to. Uh, but he still, you know, went out there and made the throws that he was asked to make. Uh, so, yeah, I – I, I think at this point it, we're going to be seeing Starkle the rest of the way, barring injury, uh, and maybe you see him a little bit, you know, late in blowouts or you know something like that. And who knows? Maybe maybe he gets his maybe he gets his Casey Dick moment where his last game, you know, he gets to come in and throw the you know game winning touch miracle on Markham too, like Casey Dick did. Uh, but other than that, I, I see Starkle kind of running the show because he he is an SEC quarterback. I mean, he was. Uh, you know, ran the show at Texas A&M for a little bit until he got hurt. So uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see, as I said, you know, what Starkville can do with this offense. And I think people will kind of forget about Hicks uh, as the season goes on if Starkville plays the way I'm thinking he's going to play. It To me, it just looked like a tale of two halves. With Hicks in there, and it did, it looked sluggish. It, for somebody who was touted as – somebody that had ran in Chad Morris's offense, knows where people are supposed to be, and and as such, 
he looked like he didn't know anything in, in my book. I mean, it, it just looks sluggish. Then you get, um, <coughs> excuse me, and then you get Starkle in there in the second half, and it looks like everybody was gelling. Now, you're going to have these freshman mistakes, but the offense seemed to flow a little bit better, especially for moving the ball 200 yards and passing. I, I thought Starkle just – well, I, I thought Starkle moved quicker. Not, not so much that the offense worked that much better. I just think that he made decisions quicker. That, that was the one thing that surprised me, Hutch, with, with Hicks was I was – I, I kind of had the same thought process you did. I thought that he would come in and, and really at least move the team down the field consistently, and especially against Portland State. But to me, he just – he looked lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, when you saw Starkle go in there, he, he did get the ball out of his hands quickly. He said that that was – Honestly, what he wanted to do was to, to go in there and get the ball in the receiver's hands. I think his quote after the game was uh, something like, you know, I wanted uh, – I call those guys the real athletes, yeah. and I want to get the real athletes the ball. And he's talking about the, the Trey Knoxes, the, the Traylon Burks, the Mike Woods. You know, those guys, those are the guys that you want the ball in the hands because they can make stuff happen. And he just tried to get it out as quick as possible with, you know, behind an offensive line that isn't exactly the best in the world. Uh, you need that because otherwise you're going to have guys breathing down your neck. And he still got hit quite a bit. Uh, that was something Chad uh, and, and Joe Craddock both said today is that, you know, Nick got hit too much after he threw the ball. And since they're going to have to clean up. Uh, but I, I really do think that, that Starkle is, is the more talented guy. And that's honestly what the coaches have said all along. I mean, they even said it back before week one. They said, you know, if you look at the two guys throw the ball, there's no doubt that Nick Starkle has the better arm. It's just that they went with the the, the, the knowledge, the experience. It just so play, happened that that doesn't outweigh his ineffectiveness. And now they've got Starkle in there, and it seems to be uh, seems to be working at least for you know one half against Ole Miss. So, with that being said, do you think we're going to be sitting at three and one for that A and M game? Yeah, I I think they're going to win the next two games. I do. Uh, you know, Colorado State is a little bit worrisome just because they are so good offensively, and they could find themselves in a shootout. And you know, whoever has the ball last may end up winning it. Uh, but I do think they're going to beat San Jose State. I don't think San Jose State is very good. Uh, I guess I should look to see what they've done this past weekend. But I just know in my the research leading up to the season, I just wasn't very impressed, and I kind of marked that down as a win. And I thought, you know, Colorado State should be a win too because they're, uh, you know, kind of struggling as well. But they do have that really talented offense that uh, is going to be uh, something tough to, to slow down. But I do think, you know, going to that A and M game in Arlington, uh, they they should be three and one. Hutch, tell me what you think about Stromberg. Yeah. Um, Anytime you're starting a true freshman on the offensive line, it, it's a little bit of a concern. Uh, you know, I mean, everyone remembers, uh, you know, I think the first time Arkansas started a true freshman on the offensive line, at least for the opener, uh, was Mitch Smothers back in the day. And that's a guy that I actually went wow. to school with at Springdale High School. And, uh, he, and Steve he calls struggled. me an old soul. <laughs> and, and he struggled. I mean, he, I think his second start or something like that was against Alabama. And anytime that happens, that's that's not going to go well for you. Uh, so, but you know, by the time he you know was a junior and senior, he was kind of like that that fifth guy on the offensive line that kind of forgotten. You know, everyone remembers the Denver Kirklands, the Frank Ragnalls, the Dan Skippers, those guys. But but you know, Mitch was on that team, and so I think this is valuable experience uh, for Ricky. 
I think ideally you don't have him start, you know, every single game. You know, hopefully Caps is able to get back and, and start against uh, Colorado State. But at least he's getting this experience, and I think it will help out a lot. Uh, you know, I think it really helped Noah Gatlin. You know, unfortunately he tore his ACL on the first day of fall camp, but I think it was going to really help Gatlin this year. So uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, he's a little bit light still. I think he's listed as 266, but he's, he's up in the 280 range now. Uh, but he still needs to kind of, you know, keep on, keep on hitting the weight room and everything. And I think he'll be a, a really solid offensive lineman for him here uh, in the future. Well, Steve and I are going to touch on this a little bit later, but I wanted to get your thoughts about the elephant in the room of who is at the Little Rock Touchdown Club today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, – <laughs> did, did you hear the collective yeah, sigh yeah. before he said that? <laughs> they <laughs> – Hey, I give props to to David Basil for for you know getting him and getting him booked and uh, him coming and and, uh, and facing the Arkansas crowd. I, I wish I could have been there. You know, had it not been a Monday with all the normal you know Morris and, and coordinator press conference, I probably would have made that trip down there to cover that because that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, but to the people that are saying, oh, let's get Bobby Petrino back oh, to to coach relax, Arkansas. Steve, relax. Well. Did did you watch Louisville last year? Right. I mean, one reason one reason you hate Chad Morris right now is because he went two and ten, and that was in year one. Guess what? Bobby Petrino did in year five <laughs> yeah. at Louisville. He went two and ten, and that's in the ACC. The little vein in so, Steve's head's over here dropping. Man, I could <laughs> I could go for hours I, on this one. Well, okay, here's just, here's did you heard about the apology that he gave and the fact that he choked up, right? Yeah. Here's the big question, and, and I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna go ahead and ask Steve, but you're not allowed to answer yet. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask Hutch. Did you believe him? You know, it's one of those things. Is he truly sorry because of what he did, or is he sorry because he got caught? So that, that's, that's kind of the, the way I looked at it. Because yeah, I mean, he probably know he he realizes now, like you know, what a good thing he had at Arkansas. I mean, he was. He was well on his way to, you know, assuming it didn't all collapse like it did against Louisville, which we could argue and debate that all day long. But Easy, as, Steve. as long as he just keeps winning, he was on his way to getting a statue in Fayetteville. And uh, now here he is unemployed and, and basically begging for forgiveness and trying to find somewhere that'll that'll hire him. And so I, I think really he's, he's sorry with how it all played out, I think. I, I just I don't know if a guy like that, you know, the way he treated people, uh, you know, I wasn't around the team covering the team at that point. I, I came in, uh, right after his tenure. Uh, but I just, I've heard stories and I just don't know if a guy like that could truly be, you know, sorry for, for what happened. I, I think regardless if he's sorry or not, the, the biggest issue that I think most fans don't recognize is the reason he struggled so much at Louisville is because a, he couldn't recruit overly well to start with. And everything that happened, he, he couldn't recruit anybody to Louisville. No. I mean, nobody wanted their kid to play for him. And you think that's going to change if he comes to Arkansas now? Not after everything that's Not happened, though. happened. But, hey. I mean, there are so many ways we could we could go down that rabbit hole. We could do that later. We, yeah. Um, Hutch, one last question before we let you go, buddy. How do you see this season playing out after the first two games? I mean, honest opinion – 
I still feel like five and seven. I'm sticking with it. Uh, you know, they everyone assumed that they would, you know, if they were going to get to a bowl game, that that would include an Ole Miss win, and that's kind of what I thought. Is if they won the Ole Miss game, that that would sit, set them up to make a bowl game. But losing that, as I predicted, I still think they find a way to steal one of these other games. You know, the Kentucky game looks a lot more winnable now. You know, Terry Wilson, their starting quarterback, suffered a season-ending injury, so maybe maybe you win that game. Uh, yeah, I, I picked them to beat Mississippi State in the in the preseason. Uh, haven't really seen a ton of the Bulldogs right now, uh, and so I'm not sure how they're looking. But I, I still think they find a way uh, to steal a game and, and you know get that one win in the SEC and you know win the the remaining non-conference and and just kind of give maybe give Arkansas fans a reason for hope and optimism uh, moving forward, even if that isn't a, a bowl game. All right, man, I think – does that cover it? Steve, That's you got it. anything else? No. Nope. All right, Hutch, we'll talk to you next week, man. Appreciate you for coming on. Thanks for time, Hutch. All right, appreciate you having me on, guys. That was Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter, at NWA Hutch. Coming up next, the final segment of the show, and we're going to preview Colorado State, and we're going to give a special award to that special someone on Twitter who's got their head up their ass. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. Here with me again is Zach as we try to finish this thing up. Um, sorry, we got tied up watching that game a minute ago. Like, that was holy that, cow! I'm that not, was a wild finish. I'm not. I'm not sure that Monday Night Football is going to be able to top that the rest of the year. That was, no, that was pretty awesome. I mean, so you got the Raiders and the Broncos coming up next in the doubleheader. Yeah, that's a bad game. Well, I've got to watch it. I got one of my guys is on my fantasy team, and I just somehow you're going to win this week, and I'm going to go zero and three in all my leagues. I don't understand how the hell that happens, but whatever. Just just rookie luck. Rookie luck. Beginner's luck, whatever. All right. So All right, watched, tell me how you feel about Colorado State. We've watched the stains out of this last one. We've, we've moved on. We're headed to Colorado State. The Rams. So you have been saying this is like a redemption game because of the way the things. Not if they keep playing year. the way they have been. Um, well, I mean, as we go into it in terms of, I guess, maybe look at it as a redemption game. Um, man, this is going to be a tough game. This is gonna be a lot tougher than I think I than I thought it was gonna be to start the year. I I, I mean, this was one of those non-conference that I chalked up as a win, um, but I'm not so sure anymore. I don't think anybody is at this point. No, and, and what's what's interesting is as we go into game three, there's so many unknowns. You know, like going into the Portland State game, we knew nothing. Going into the Ole Miss game, we still felt like we knew nothing. I still feel like I and, know nothing. And going into this game, I still feel like we know nothing. There's, I mean, there's, this team doesn't have an identity. I feel more confident that with Starkle back there that things are obviously uh, that things are going to move forward a lot better. Um, we but, can only wait and see. Yeah, I mean, but so this is going to be the first time this year that we've that the back seven of this defense is tested. So, Colin, yeah, because this is a throwing. This is a well, they're averaging about 390 yards a game passing. 500 yards against Colorado State. Yeah, so total offense. So, I mean, total offense, I wrote it down or, or was pulling some stats earlier. Um, somewhere around in here. Oh, it's right there. So, against Colorado, they put up 505 total yards of offense. 374 in the air, 131 on the ground. 
Now, they ended up losing that game by like 20. I think it was like 52 to yeah, 30. I stayed up and watched that game. So, Holy cow. But it was close for a good bit, and, and then Colorado kind of ran away with it. Now, Colorado seems to be pretty good. They knocked off our, you know, our favorite darling of the top 25 over the weekend, Nebraska, who's no longer in the top 25, thanks to that loss. Took them long enough. Yeah, two weeks. Woo. Um, and I think that was the one that you had called but it was going to be the first one to fall out. Yeah, I, it, it, I don't never understood how they could be in the top 25 there. I mean, anyway. So, and then this past week, they put up 582 yards of total offense. Now, that was against a, a, an FCS opponent. But we couldn't do that against Portland State. So, obviously, their offense is moving the ball. So, you know, as we come into this game, the one thing that does concern me is, you know, they, they're going to air the ball out. And and our back seven has not been tested yet, no. and so I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be big. Well, for me, the one thing that I'm gonna be looking for is, and until I see consistency, until I see some cohesiveness, until I see improvement, y'all, our offensive line. That's gonna be what my our key to the game. My key to the game. If we were gonna do the you know the whole the whole, the, the what they do the the pregame on these national media sites and stuff, right. keys to the game. The offensive line, period. It, it is, and and I and I I've I've debated this a few times. I don't think the offensive line has has played as bad as some people think they have. I think they're better this year than they were last. Um, they've still got a lot of work to do, but again, you've had some pieces rotating around with Caps being out, Stromberg having to play. Um, you know, but it's like it's like you said early in the show that they're learning on the run. They are, and are and, learning on the fly, and and it takes a lot longer for an offensive line group to gel, and then when you're having to bounce guys around because of injuries, especially this early in the year, that hurts the cohesiveness of that unit. So, they're only going to get better. The one thing that I think will make the offensive line look better is with Starkle out there, the running game should open up. I Just agree. Like we saw in the Ole Miss game, they're going to have to back the safeties back. They're going to have to actually honor what what Starkle can bring in the passing game. So by pushing those guys back, you open the box up a little bit. And hopefully we can run we can run the ball well in, in this game. If we're able to do that, then I think we win the game. Um, you know, so far, let's see, what did they give up? I'm gonna look back at some stats here. So I mean, against Western Illinois, they gave up they only gave up 50, 64 yards rushing. Um, but let's go back. Let's get so. But against Colorado, who's you know a much better program. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, total, Colorado rushed for 243 yards against them. So, there's some openings to be had. Now, Colorado only two threw for 232, um, but they were very balanced. So, yeah. Colorado State, you know, we saw it last year. They, they didn't have a great defense. Um, you know, all the crap that happened in the second half to let them get back in. It was just us imploding. Um, but defensively, they're not an overly good team. I honestly don't think you're going to see that implosion happen this year. No, I I don't think so. I mean, unless just some craziness happens between now and the end of the year, I d- I'm with you. I don't see I don't see that happening at all. Um, I think that they'll be I think they'll be they'll be in every game other than maybe a couple of these these higher level teams um, that, that just have way more talent. But I, I don't you know I saw it posed. Um, I want to say it was Mike Irwin or somebody on Twitter, one of the na- one of the sports writer guys here um, posed the question: Did we quit on Saturday? Um, I didn't see anybody quit. I saw a defense get just I, worn down. I think I think the defense just ran out of juice. Yeah, and you saw the offense <coughs> fight to the very end. I mean, it, we, it's not, that's something we didn't talk about too. How cool is it to see Coylan Jackson get his first touchdown? That's what I'm talking I'm really about. Excited for Coylan there. Everything he's been through since he got on campus, it was awesome to see him get his first. Absolutely, score. So that was fantastic. So, so <coughs> did we win on Saturday? 
Are we giving predictions now? Let's go ahead and give them. Because um, we got we got a little bit more fun stuff to get into that I can't wait to get into. So when the season started, I, as I said, I, I, I saw this as a win. When the line came out today. I was really surprised about the line. Twelve and a half point favorites. Well, now some of them, some of them are as low as about two or two to five. Some of them are as high as about twelve to thirteen. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up on your. You're thinking over. I'm gonna pull my. I mean, I let me let me make a call to my bookie real quick. Honest, you want my honest opinion? Well, I don't want you to lie to me. Well, I'd like us to win, but if we keep, I mean, with if we keep playing like we have last two weeks, we're not going to. Well, but again, we're you've got two weeks to figure this offense out before we get back into conference play in Dallas at A and M, right? And this is a perfect time to do it with with Starkle coming in. And what better it. time? I was going to say, what better time to get it done than right now? Yeah, I mean, it makes it, this makes the most sense. So because of by that, the way, I was going to say before you jump into that, I was wrong. You were right. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. What was I? What was I right? Starkle. Well. I think y'all saw that. I mean, and, and Look, I'm, I'm just right. trying to give you credit. Hey, just take it. I'm not taking credit yet because let's see what happens against let's see what happens against Colorado State before I take it. Katie's credit. burning a hole into my skull behind well, you. So John she, Stephen Jones may be the guy after this week. Who knows? I mean, they're just going to keep going down the rung if this keeps happening. So, I mean, we know she doesn't like KJ. I'm sorry. Go ahead and say that. What did you say? I said Starkle first. Oh boy. Well, hey. So. Yeah, I think that I mean, yes. If they would have named Hicks the starter, I'd pick this as a loss. I'm gonna pick this as a win. I'm looking here at um my um my, my, my bookie. Yeah. Arkansas is currently a ten point favorite. See, I just I'm 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 surprised by that. I think so at twelve and a half I wouldn't touch this game. I won't touch this game anyway. I don't bet on Arkansas. It's a bad, bad idea. My heart Yeah, my I saw heart. I saw you put on Twitter earlier today, bet your entire mortgage on yeah. Colorado State. Well at twelve and a half I almost would. Now that was before they that was before they announced Starkle. Um which is funny, the line hasn't moved in our favor since they announced Starkle as a starter. But um I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna pick Arkansas. I think I'm gonna go ahead and Oh gosh, I don't know. I think I, I, all right. Starkle in there. The offense is going to move better. We're not going to have the mistakes. I mean, we're showing we're sh- forty. Me. Give me, give me forty-five. Holy crap! Forty-five, thirty-five. I want whatever you're smoking, I, I or whatever, or whatever cough medicine you're taking. Here's the thing. I think the offense. You really think we're going to lead? We haven't done. We haven't even sniffed. 45 points. I understand that. Much less 30. But, okay, we both agree that there's 24 points we left on the field on Saturday, right? Yeah. So, and we scored, what, 17? Yeah. So, I mean, you put you put that together, you're at, what, 40, 41? So, I mean, and that was legit at least 17 points there, legit, that should have been scored. I mean. Yeah, you're you right. One touchdown for sure off the board, a field goal that we should have made. Um, and and, then and the, you know the, the thing. That, the thing is, is these these mistakes that we're making are mental. They are. It, it's you know I saw something. Are mental. Was, I saw something that was really telling. Um, we, we I did I, I didn't want to say I didn't want you to say the name before, but um, you know there was a there was a moment that very first drive when Starkle came in in the second half. The I think it was the so the first play we had a, a pre snap penalty and then the second play we called timeout 
Well, I don't know how many people saw what was happening in that situation, but it was right in front of us. Chase Harrell is lined up on the wrong side. He's in the slot on the wrong side, and Hicks is yelling at him, and Harrell is arguing back at him like, no, I'm on the right side. And Hicks is – no, and finally the coaches tell Harrell to go to the other side, and at that point they had to call the timeout. So so now we've got a situation where – and again, this could be a rabbit hole, but uh, now we've got a situation where the players arguing with each other. Because you saw there was at one point Devall Whaley was starting to mouth off. Yeah, at the, after the fumble. Yeah. Um, I – Okay, so I think that gets cleaned up this week. Now, I, I don't know. I, the, the two names that we just named there are guys that I, I don't know which direction they're going to go on this program as we go forward. So, um, But I think with, with Starkle getting first-team reps all week, the communication should be there between him and the receivers and the rest of the team. I think that they want to play for Starkle more than they want to play for Hicks. Hicks uh, Starkle, to me, is more of a leader than Hicks is. And so he's going to command that offense. I think what you saw there was a I lot don't of think I don't think there's a person on this squad that trusts Hicks. No, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I don't. I, I don't think there is, other than Chad Morris. So I mean, and, I, and, and obviously he doesn't anymore. So I mean, and I said it. I said it back in spring when they showed little clips of him and mic'd him up and all these little Facebook videos. He come across cocky. Yeah, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to play with him. Well, and I don't mind cocky. It's just no. I, I this dude, no, no, no. He this was, was almost condescending. He was condescending, yeah. and you know what I'm talking about because yeah. we've we've seen the video. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, and again, I'm not, I'm not bashing it. I'm calling it like I see it, right? Which and is what we do. That. Yeah, there's okay. Wrong that. But if you're gonna come across like that, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like his attitude. I thought that I definitely think Starkle came in with the better attitude. I think he's just more the player's player. You know, yeah. I think I think the guys are gonna relate to him better. I think the communication will be better between now and then. I think you'll see a much – they're, they're going to make mistakes, but I think you're going to see a more crisp offense this week. I think they're going to – more than likely they're going to dumb down the offense a little bit. You're going to see them, um, instead of trying to let Hicks run a whole bunch of different option routes and those kind of things, you're going to have Starkle out there who knows a little less of the offense. And so they're going to do the things that I think Starkle is comfortable doing. Um, I think the question was posed to Craddock in, the, in either to – I guess it was today um, – or maybe yesterday about the the wild hog, yeah, and if they had anyone else that they were working on um, running the wild hog outside of Rakeem Boyd, and he refused to answer it. He just said, "Well, we got a couple guys." That tells me that they're probably working KJ in that role. Some, I um, hope they they're gonna have to do something because it just it, going back on the the press conference. Did you notice how last week they were he, in the, in the post game? Morris was real quick to pull the trigger. Hicks is starting with a first. He gets asked. He gets asked about the quarterback situation right after Ole Miss. Yeah. Well, we're gonna head back to Fayetteville and reevaluate. We're not. And then he's talking about the starters. Well, we're. I'm, we're not in a position to talk about that right now. So you're not. A, you're not showing a lot of faith. Well, I'll say this. I was a little frustrated with initially when that happened. I, I thought that that was kind of. I, I, I was confused because I felt the same way a lot of people felt. You. You were confident enough in Hicks coming out of Week One that you named him the starter, even though he didn't play well. But yet, you didn't find enough confidence in the way Starkle start played in the second half to name him starter. However, you're on the road. You're going to go home. You're going to watch the film. You know that both quarterbacks made mistakes. The more I think about it, I don't really have an issue with them going back, doing their due diligence, watching film, meeting with the quarterbacks, and then making a decision. I, I, I think that was probably the best way to handle it instead of making an emotional decision after a game when you just got beat, you know. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, initially, I was in the same boat. I thought it was, you know, look, this guy outplayed everybody, and it's obvious. I mean, his stats are better in a half than Hicks had in a game and a half. Yeah. A, a, like by far. 
And so it seemed like the writing was obviously on the wall, and it was. I mean, he was named the starter today. That makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, um, given the situation, I feel like they're they're going to be in good, they're going to be in good hands. I'm not I'm not worried about that at this point. Uh, so I guess it's now time for my prediction, huh? Yep. Crap. Um. Oh man, it. I. I guess I'll take Arkansas. I'll sh- I'll have a little faith. In them, hopefully they'll they'll put something together. Um, but if they don't, it's it. Oh, it's gonna be hard. Well, if they don't, then things are going to get ugly. I mean, uh, and, and again, we'll talk about that at another time. But uh, 28-24 Arkansas. Okay. I can see that. I'll just I'll, I'll throw that out there. I just The reason I went so high in my score is I do think Colorado State is going to put points on the board. I think that, you know, and, and one thing, too, as I thought about this game as we were leading up to it, I thought, man, you know, last year the big talk was when we went up there, the altitude and the issues with that. So I thought initially, man, it's 100 degrees here today. Like when they come to Fayetteville this weekend, it's going to be hot, yeah. humid, nasty. That may work in our favor. It's supposed to be 84 freaking degrees, which is fine for us. Now I was going to say that. But, I mean. What's in, the in humidity terms, level? Yeah, I think there's a front coming through. It's going to cool everything down. I think it's going to be low humidity and everything. So, um, so I mean that that I mean plays into help a little bit I think for Colorado State but so I think that Colorado State will probably still they they'll, they'll they'll play well but I see this being a game if we do cover the number that that Vegas has put out that it's because we do it late like kind of like Colorado did against them in the, in the first game of the year um, but that's why I, went, so I I do think Colorado State's going to score some points you know I'm going to put a little twist on it 28-21 in overtime Ooh. okay I, I got, yeah Wild thought. Yeah, you just want to hang out longer in Razorback Stadium on Saturday. That's why not, right? My first game inside of Razorback Stadium. Yeah, well, well, I've been to the spring game. I've been, I've been to the fan day. I've yet to, and again, we'll bash me at a later date. But um, I want to get week three your SEC power rankings. Yeah, kind of something that we've been doing since since week one. It's a new thing we're doing. Um, I've got some surprises up my sleeve. Okay, so. Of course, I'm betting you got Alabama up at the top. No. Who you got? I'm just kidding. Uh, I was going to say. <laughs> Both of you were like, what? The hell? Yeah, no, no, no. He's he's there. Bama's there, number one. Who do you have at number two? Wait, wait. On that, sorry, squirrel here, but on that, did you see the Nick Saban press conference after the game? Oh, my. Is that the one goodness. where he said we play – Something about the we play the teams yes. that make us play harder or something. No, so uh, a reporter, you know, they get asked. Saban gets asked this all the time. Everybody throws a fit about the schedule that Alabama plays. Yeah. So he got asked the question. He, he literally said the guy, the reporter said, "Wouldn't you guys like to play more, you know, stronger opponents, harder right. teams?" And he said, uh, "He said no disrespect to to, Me- to New Mexico State. They have a coach that coaches hard, and they got players that play hard." And he said, "But at the end of the day, yeah, absolutely, I'd rather play twelve Power Five schools all year." And I think he – I heard, I think he came back and, and, and said 10 instead of 12. But he did – at that time, he said 12. And, and he was like, he's like, look, we we play whoever we can find to play us. He said, we make calls. Our, our, he said, I have no control over that. He said, our people make calls all the time trying to get teams to play us, and this we play who will play us. He said, I'd be happy to play. But he said, I tell you – I don't know who the reporter was, but he looked at the reporter. He said, I tell you what, you pick up the phone. You start making some phone calls. I don't care who you find. Send them to us. We'll play anybody. So, oh, that's <laughs> wow! Awesome. Uh, and then he went off on the student section. Then they got mad today about having a noon kickoff. Yeah, because so. of the heat. Yeah, 
Really? We've been doing it forever. So, so who, who do you have in that number two slot? I'm, I'm, so I've, I've moved LSU up to number two. Son of a <laughs> – Woo! You stopped yourself. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got and and you and I have not talked about this at all. We have not we nothing. Yeah. Okay. So I have no idea who your fourteen uh, that, yeah. are. Right. I don't know where they're at. I don't. I don't know. Okay. Well, yep. I've got LSU at number two. Uh, they. So they they look man. They look good now. You know, it was funny. There was all that DBU smack talk between both teams. Neither one of them are DBU. Ne- yeah. <laughs> Neither one of them. Man, was that game ever fun? To, I don't something. understand why they still have jo- why ESPN still has Georgia at number two. They haven't played anybody yet. Well, that's why. I mean, they put up. They were there, and that's. I mean, that's the logical spot. They've proven what they need to prove. They've won their first. So I've got Georgia at three. I uh, moved out Georgia down a spot. I did say I got Georgia at three as well. Who do you have at four? Auburn. Yep. And now, Auburn didn't look overly crisp against Tulane. Um, again, they got, struggled a little bit, kind of going through the motions a little bit, I think. So, um, but again, they've also got a true freshman at quarterback. Yeah, and it, they're dealing with the same things. They're, Bo Nix. They're, they're 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 trying to they're trying to work out some kinks as well. But yeah, I've got Auburn four. Who do you have at five? So I've got Florida at five. Shut the hell up. I do. We're spot on right oh, now. This is, this is scary. This is really creepy. Number six, I've got Mississippi State. As do I. Okay, this is this is going way too well right now. Who do you have at seven? A and M. There's no debate here. This isn't working. Number eight. I've got Kentucky. Son of a, you're nine. At nine, I have South Carolina. You <laughs> give me something to go on. Wow, that's all right then. Ten. I have Ole Piss. Okay, see now we're different. All right, now we're different. I got Missouri. Okay, I, and I can see that. I, I've I got Missouri that. just, I mean, because they bounced back. They did, but, man, West Virginia is awful. Yeah. That is a bad, bad, bad yeah. football team. That is I've, got, I've, got, I've got Ole Miss at 11. So I've got, or I've got Ole Miss 10 and Homer in me. Um, have I got, I've, got, I've got Arkansas at 11. I just can't put Arkansas behind at Zoo. And I, I, the, the last two are, are – Textbook, Vandy in Tennessee. The state, how, t- the state of Tennessee is, is bringing up the rear right now. How the University of Tennessee, Owen oh 2. I, I, that, so that reminds me of something. So No, I am. We're good. We're, this was during the game. So during the game at Oxford, yeah. in timeouts, yeah. they were showing games on the jumbo. They were showing the Tennessee game. I literally thought they were going to stop our game. Because, you know, that when they go into the game, they take everything off the screen and you just get your whatever's up there. They played the, the finish of that Tennessee game because it was that, that very last – the very end of the game. They played that last, that last bit on the Jumbotron while the play was still going on on the field. <laughs> I don't know if it came off on TV, but the entire crowd erupted when Tennessee lost. It was fantastic. Like, the whole place just started I wondered cheering. why there was cheering because I was like, what's, what's – They what? were all cheered for the fact that Tennessee got beat. It so, was fantastic. Wow. So our our with the exception of one, maybe two, our our power rankings are the same for the second week in a row. Yeah. Well, not too bad. We'll see. It, it's gonna change. Okay. These weeks are gonna shake. This has probably been, become my favorite, most favorite part of this whole yeah, show man. now. Okay. It's only gonna get worse too. And and it is. It, it, we keep losing, and it's it's. I mean, you you're only left with one question. Hell, even if we keep winning, you're only left with one question. What the hell were you thinking? And you and I mean, who you got this week? Who wins? Who wins the? Can I say it? Who wins the dumbass of the week? Yeah. 
Well, my I think we're that's exactly what we're gonna call it. So so my dumbass of the week goes to Mister um, Hundred and Ninety followers on Twitter. Hogball fan one two three four. I mean, his, yes, his name screams troll, and he is. He he he's just trying to get attention, and he's got mine. Um, I think I liked one of his. I was going back, like I was sitting here looking because he's not tweeted much, and I went back. And I, I liked one of his posts on February twenty sixth about the basketball team, and now apparently he follows me, and yeah, yeah he latched on to you. So I jumped over here just to look at it real quick. So this is the tweet. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah, gonna edit this. it. I'm not gonna edit this because this is some crap. So he added Chad Morris, Coach Craddock, Hunter Urichek, and said, "Just to let you all know." And this was, by the way, in reply to a Chad Moore to the to. This was in reply to Chad Morris. Y'all are absolute dog shit. Y'all are a disgrace to the entire state. All hype, no substance. Oh, and Chavis, you suck too. God, the absolute worst. And at Jeff Long, thanks for tying us, you piece of shit. Oof. Oof. Okay. What the? I don't. I don't get it. What I, good? What good does that do? It's not even about what good it does. There's just no point in it. And and at the end of the day. I, I guess you do have to question the point, and the point for him is he's he's trying to get attention. He he grabbed the attention. He's a troll. He's trying to get ever. He he's trying to get people worked up. I think, but I was going back here. Sorry, I'm trying to find. Um, I had a I had a little interaction with him as well today. Um, but my question to him, or my so so my issue here is this dude. This dude's going to come out and he's going to at the coaches. He's going to at. The AD, he's going to go after Jeff Long, which I don't have a problem with. That's fine. Um, but We don't like him anyway. Yeah, we don't like <laughs> him. What did this fan base expect? So we've sat here and talked to the Hogettes, Hutch, a lot of other people we've on social media. We've sat and talked among, among, among each, each other. other uh, listening to all the talk radio. The general consensus has been this is a 5-7 to seven win team. Yeah. We're still a 5-7 to seven win team. Yeah. That has not changed. No, we're – Four to six. Or I, four to I, yeah. I, with Starkle coming in, the question, and we asked that question on the on the Facebook page today too. You know what we expect the win total to be now that Starkle's been named the starter. I, I'm still on the same. I, I with Starkle now being the guy and I, and them and them making that decision. I'm on that trip. But my question is, I mean, what did you expect? Like, I, yeah, the Portland State game sucked, but these people, th- these are people that only like if you if you go through this dude's Twitter. His only posts are about firing coaches. He doesn't say anything positive about the program. It's fire Mike Anderson. It's and, and again that was so he's a he's a what do they call those things fair fair weather fan. Fair weather fan. Yeah. I, I don't even know that he's a fair weather fan. I don't know that he would actually cheer if the team was doing well. I think he just I, well you remember you remember a couple weeks ago uh, we were talking about those type of, type of fans that would find anything and everything even if we had if we were undefeated yeah. They'd Th- still find something. That's what this person that's is. That's what that is. But that's what gets me is he comes he comes at this with like this idea that we're that we should be just just world beaters right now. Uh, again, I made this point earlier. The fact of the matter is, Chad Morris has coached fourteen games here. Nineteen months on the job. He's one and a half recruiting classes. He, he has taken over a program that was in shambles. It was in a bad spot. It, the recruiting was awful, and on top of that, he had to switch systems from what he was doing before to what he's to to, to this offense. So, 
And on top of that, even more importantly, he had to change the entire culture. So coming into this season, we knew this wasn't going to be a good year. We knew there'd be growing pains. And typically your growing pains are early in the year. What do these people expect? I mean, I, I, I have no idea. I've got one that'll beat, that, that'll beat you to no the punch, boy. though. Uh, it's not on Twitter, actually. It's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Marion A. Frazier has, okay. an, has, I guess, has his own podcast or whatever. Oh, boy. Uh, says, he poses the question uh, as the title of his episode or what have you. Could Arkansas freshmen enter the transfer portal oh, if Arkansas loses to Colorado State? I saw that. It's it now. It it's, is a, it is a fair question. It's a fair question. But we're two games in. Right. I don't I mean again, I, I feel like he's one of these attention grabbers. Well, and it is. I mean, and it's it's a it's a I guess it's somewhat fair <coughs> question to ask just because I mean, look at what Kelly Bryant did last year. Four games in, he's not the starter. I'm out. I'm leaving. I mean, now I don't know that Hicks I'm sure Hicks has used a red shirt and he couldn't actually leave. Well no, he's a to. Well he's a graduate transfer. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. He's a graduate transfer. Okay. Yeah, and and so I'm just curious, you know, I, well, I don't think that matters. I think he can I'm, – I'm pretty sure that he can – I'm pretty sure that he could still transfer. I don't know what his situation is. But I don't, I don't think he can. <laughs> but so from that, from that perspective, I can, I can somewhat see where that question comes up. But why would these freshmen transfer? They're playing. Most guys are going to transfer because they're not playing it. Right. The the guys that are here right now that committed to this team last year that are playing this year, Trey Knox, Traylon Burks, all these guys that are putting that are out there putting on that are trying to put on a show, they knew what they were getting into. It's not like well, they, they thought said, they were coming to a twelve and zero football team. They even said that you know the culture change is, is coming. The Diamond Gang, yeah. the the new Arkansas, right, and that so, kind of thing. Yeah. So I mean, sure, there's going to be some guys in, enter the transfer portal after this season, and that's fine. Let them go, but. To question whether or not these freshmen who are actually making an impact are going to go anywhere. I, now, had we not made the switch from Hicks to Starkle and, 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 and Morris tried to be extremely you know, hard-headed and stick with Hicks, then I think it's a fair question because I think you start to lose the team. I don't think Hicks – I don't think Morris has lost a team at all. I think, I think these, these well, guys love playing. Well, I've got some – inside information and there's a little bit of uneasiness. I mean it's still early. Yeah. But word is coming out of the locker room it's a little bit uneasy. Well losing does that though. And, and when you've lost for as long as these guys have lost, you, you're always gonna question things. Yeah. But I've saw now I'll say this though, that I know that, that you're hearing that, but if you look at if you look at Twitter, you look at these guys, you follow these guys on social media and the things they're saying, I don't get that feel. I see a bunch of guys that are like, look, we're gonna get better. Because you see them. They're putting it out there. Our time is coming. We're going to get better. We hate losing. You see a lot of that from the players. You don't see – I need to be more active on Twitter. I, I'm. You don't see the moaning and complaining you saw last year from players who got on the, on there whining and crying. and, and, and We're and not going to name names. Woe is me, that kind of stuff. What you see this year is guys being like, look, we're going to figure this out. We are a good team. You saw T.J. Hammonds come out with it. Coyle Jackson said the young guys, too. Mm-hmm. And then Starkle came out today and had some pretty cool tweets with, with him being named Easy there, buddy. He had, some, he had some cool stuff he put out. So I'm, I, I'm pretty excited there. I think um, – I, I, or I don't think that that's – I don't think that's a legitimate concern as of right now. Now, these guys go 2-10 and 10 again. I think that could become a legitimate Couple concern. Couple may jump ship. Um, but I think, again – if you hit the expectation of what most of the realistic fan base thought that we that, that they will end up being that as long as they get to that five or six win mark 
I don't think you got the guys you want to stay are going to stay. I don't, I don't think we have to worry about that. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of inside the natural state. Steve, as always, my man, it's been fun. Yes, sir. Um, are we going to be doing anything live at the stadium on Saturday? Cause it'll be you, me and Katie. I'm sure we can come up with something. So stay tuned. There'll be something. We'll, we'll uh, some there's fun. always surprises when you put the three of us together, everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time on inside the natural state. We'll so pay. long everybody. turning on that September day Were you in the yard with your wife and children or working on some stage in LA Did you stand there in shock at the sight of that black smoke rising against that blue sky Did you shout out in anger and fear for your neighbor or did you just sit down and cry Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones Pray for the ones who don't know Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble And sobbed for the ones left below Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue And the heroes who died just doing what they do Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer and look at yourself and what really matters I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran but I know Jesus and I talk to God and I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us And the greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day Teaching a class full of innocent children Or driving down some cold interstate did you feel guilty cause you're a survivor? In a crowded room, did you feel alone? Did you call up your mother and tell her you loved her? Did you dust off that Bible at home? Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep. Did you notice the sunset? First time in ages to speak to some stranger on the street. Did you lay down at night and think of tomorrow? Go out and buy you a gun. Did you turn off that violent old movie you're watching and turn on out of Lucy reruns? Did you go to a church and hold hands with some strangers? Stand in line and give your own blood. Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family? Thank God you had somebody to love. 
I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus, and I talk to God, and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us. And the greatest is love. I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus, and I talk to God, and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us, and the greatest is love. And the greatest is love. And the greatest is love. Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day?